0: Boom. Boom. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I am your host, John Harris. On my left-hand side is my right-hand man, Gabriel. Um, I'm on the wrong side. You're on the wrong side, okay. Today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have Wilderun, who has a new album called Veil of Imagination, which is re-released on July 17th via Century Media Records. All right now I'm being joined by Dan to share some more information about... This re-release, the signing to Century Media Records, as well as to chat about some of the tracks off of the album and the album as well. So, Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, very great to have you on. I really dig this stuff, and I'm super excited that uh, you guys were available to chat. Now, I guess let's just jump into the juicy stuff. Tell us about getting signed to Century Media and what led to the re-release. I guess as opposed to just starting off with maybe an, an EP or something of, of new material.
1: Well, we, um, we had originally looked for a label to release Veil on. Um, we had the material, like the final mixes and stuff, were done close to a year before we had self released it back in November. Um, and we just kept trying to like, we had like a lead here and a lead there. And, and, like somebody at the label would listen to it and be like, Oh, I really dig it. Let me bring it to, to the team and see if I can make something happen. And then just things would kind of fall apart or they would disappear. Um, so then we decided, okay, well, we can't wait any longer. We're just going to have to do the self-release thing again. Um, so we ended up hiring a PR company this time, which was something we didn't do before. And that that seemed to really help push the album into a lot of the right hands, I think, and just get it into more um, media outlets that we might otherwise not have been able to access. Um, so, so we had the album out for a few months, and, and we got the opportunity to play um, 70,000 Tons of Metal uh, this January. And by the time we got announced for that. We played the shows and then we got we got off the boat and sitting in our inbox were uh emails from central Media as well as a couple other labels. Um and so it was just kind of a couple months after that um negotiating with these different labels and figuring out who's going to who who's got the best deal for us not only financially but also who's like the most excited about the band and really like we get the sense that their interest in the band on an artistic level and Century Media was by far the the most enthusiastic. Um, and one of the things that we were very adamant about was that Veil would be re released by whatever label we we choose. There were some who who said, "Oh, well, we don't really find re releases to be advantageous. They don't really bring in a lot, and we just rather start with a new album when you're ready for that." And for us, that was just kind of a non-starter. Um, so Century Media said, "Like, okay, great, let's do the let's do the re-release, and and then we'll we'll set you up for for X amount of albums after that." We finally came to all our terms, got everything together, all our all materials, and now the, the album is finally going to come out again in physical form, which it's been sold out since uh, on our end since uh, uh, December. Like a month after we released it, we sold out of the 1,000 CDs we printed. And then um, – so now it's finally getting printed on vinyl too, which is something we've been wanting to do since our inception.
0: That's such a cool word. Since our inception, <laughs> we, we want it to be on vinyl. No, I mean there's so, so much great news in that story, especially for anybody who's in a band listening in right now and is on the fence about – hiring somebody to push you out there. And I know that I chat about it a lot because the number of bands who are on the show that come through a respected media outlet or a PR uh, person, even hired by by labels. So some labels do their own PR and other labels just hire like rogue PR people uh, to do it, kind of depending Mm. depending on the size of the label. And they reach out to media people like me, and then we get you on the show, and it gets you into the hands of some of the right people. And it almost seems like even though they liked your music, the idea of you taking that next step to push it yourselves, I don't know, made you seem more serious? Is that kind of maybe what you think?
1: Probably. Um, I think like – because cause the, uh, the A&R guy that we were talking to at Century Media, he was saying that like he he was aware of us – um f- for a little while already at that point and and as, as were some of the other people at the label um and I, and I think it was just the idea that like we came out a with a, a record that I feel and they feel is is the best we've done um but also that yeah we're we're okay we're going to invest some money in the actual promotion um we're just going to keep trying to build this machine up and every every album we do we keep being like okay well what can we improve on luckily we're in the in the position where every album we've done we've had more money under our belts with which to do it so part of that money went specifically towards let's hire PR cuz w- frankly i mean we were sick of doing it ourselves and obviously there's certain roadblocks that we can't cross on our own
0: yeah And oddly enough, as soon as you said that, because I've got the lyric video up for The Tyranny of Imagination, and as soon as you said that, the lyric line, oh my goodness gracious, I can't, timidly you strive into the distance where the unknown beckons you, I don't know, it just, it seemed like as you were telling your story and then that lyric line came up, there was just that moment of grace where that lyric line, in that moment, really seemed to embody Going after your dreams.
1: It does seem like, yeah. I mean, I never made that connection, but I, I think there's a lot of uh, things. I mean, no, like especially our last two records. They're all the, the lyrics are all kind of written um, from an introspective uh, perspective. So I think these things, these things that we feel um, and how they relate to Wilderun, are going to naturally make their way into the music because it's all kind of coming from the same place and it's all being funneled through the the run machine as well so it's kind of interesting to, to think about it in that perspective because i never have
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's <laughs> just you know microscopically just sucking one one lyric line completely out of, out of context but the interesting thing is as i was uh watching the lyric video and, and listening to you that line came up and it was like this this very positive intersection and i mean something else you mentioned too is and i work with a lot of labels and yeah, a lot of times they they hate the idea of a re-release, but then occasionally I'll see a label that says, hey, we've signed this band and we're going to re-release their first album, sometimes even as far as two or three years ago, um, and it just kind of always shocks me and surprises me, because usually what you hear is, well, that's old news, we don't want anything to do with it. Um, so that's why I was super curious you know, to hear from you, like, sweet, not only are you you know, with Century Media Records, which is an awesome record label that I've had the privilege of working with for a couple of years now, but also as well they're going to go ahead and re-release what i consider to be some incredible stuff so it just seems like a really solid alignment
1: yeah no definitely i mean it's our relationship with them is still early and we're we're still kind of getting to know the ropes of how it all works um working with the label and i mean there's just there's just so many people involved and we kind of like be like okay well we we i have this question to ask century media who do who's the right person to talk to <laughs> but luckily like i i sent an email to to anybody on the team and if they're if they don't have the answer they just forward it over to to the person who does um i mean the, everyone there seems to be really on their game they they're quick to respond and they're just they just seem to know what's what's right for the band and they i, I don't get the sense that they don't understand will to run which is something that we've dealt with with for almost our entire career has been trying to get people to understand what Wilderun is because we, we approach things in a really um, different way from a lot of metal bands, I think.
0: Now, when you say that, that we approach things differently than a lot of metal bands. And I mean, obviously, we listen to the music and we can definitely hear something unique. However, I'd like you to expand on that, especially with regard to Veil of Imagination, you mentioned something also, something you mentioned is you know each time you, you get a bit more money, which is totally unusual for a band. Like, you guys have more money, it's weird. So, a metal band, a
1: let's not, we're, we're, we're no uh, we're, we're no uh, ghost or anything like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so a metal band that's making money, this is fantastic. So, take take us through, uh, or unless this is just a veil of imagination, but that's the tyranny of imagination. <laughs> <laughs> when you're far from where dreams unfurl. but I guess really the, qu- the question is so take us through this, this album because obviously it's important to you guys and what did you guys set out to create and I mean is there a concept at all to the album? I mean these are some, these are multisyllabic words that have been placed together in, in you know a, a cacophony of an arrangement. So how is how is veil of imagination different from what's going on right now in, in metal?
1: Well, I think like, I mean, the first thing that always comes to mind for me because it's the thing I deal with the most. I, I, um, I I'm one of myself and and Wayne, uh, the other orchestrator. We we deal the most on the production side, um, and we're kind of because we both do production work as well, and we understand how it works. Like we're communicating with engineers both live and in the studio, and the thing that we always have to kind of rewire in in any engineer's brain is that the, the rhythm guitar is not more important than the orchestra. Um, So when we, when we're playing live, we always have to tell the sound guy, if we're working with them for the first time, like turn the orchestra way up, way up, no more. Like it's, and it seems weird because like, oh, they're just the backing tracks. It's like, well, no, they're part of the, the the structure of the song. Um, And it's, it's all intertwined. They're supposed to be part. Essentially, the, the, I, I sometimes dislike using the phrase orchestra to describe that instru- instrumentation within our music, because the whole thing is the orchestra essentially, you know, that's the way we approach it. It's not that we write a metal song and we're like, now let's make it epic by just throwing some <laughs> keys behind it. You
0: Violins. Know? I did a thousand didgeridus. Exactly. Right. It's
1: like, Okay, yeah, I mean that's that's a quick way to make something sound bigger in a sense, but you can do it in ways that are more intelligent and more thought out, and will bri- will expand your palette with which you can paint that picture. Um, because like, there's so much there's so much space to work with, and there's so, and metal bands especially, I find utilize very little of the dynamic range that exists i mean you go people will compare metal often to um to uh like orchestral music or classical music which i always find a kind of not accurate totally accurate comparison um and and by by that i mean like you go to to see an orchestra play and they can play like the quietest thing where you have to like lean in to hear it and then they can just blow you away with just something that sounds like there's a thousand amps on stage and metal bands they go up there and i mean this is inherently part of the problem of just having amplified guitars there's only maybe so much dynamic range you have on that instrument but you can still write a song that goes from zero to a hundred, you know, like we don't have to hover at 85 as our default.
0: Okay. I mean, you brought up so many incredibly interesting things, especially since I've been reading uh, recently, I've been reading a book from Bruce Sweden, who's the mix engineer for Michael Jackson. For anybody who doesn't know, uh, Mm. he's he's responsible for having engineered Billy Jean, not necessarily the production of it, because that was Quincy Jones, but worked hand in hand with Quincy on a lot of stuff. Mm. And something that he said in part of his development in any genre of music was the fact that he grew up going to the orchestra.
1: Yeah, and yeah, so and I, and I did too. Yeah, it's yeah. hugely influential.
0: And so you know what music is supposed to sound like. You know what movement is supposed to sound like. And, you know, a note that I made, because we do some mix engineering as well, and we've definitely had some bands come in with some orchestra parts. And I've had to point out that their orchestration doesn't work with the song. And And I think... Without that knowledge of an orchestra, if people don't understand that orchestras are on their own time, they're not exactly on a grid, so that produces an uh, an issue. Mm -hmm. And what the instruments in the orchestra do. What does a violin do? Why is it there? What does a trumpet do, and why is it there? And how do you make those two talk to each other and work together? And I think if you have that sense of understanding, then even writing just with guitars and basses becomes... Uh, more cohesive because how many guitar players know why they're there to begin with? What, what does, what purpose does the guitar have in a metal mix? Right. No,
1: I mean, I think, um, I think that like we, as, as metal musicians, we, we grow up writing material that's meant, or is at least imagined being on stage with, you know, between three to maybe six people, And even if you introduce uh, keyboards or things that are playing orchestral parts or backing tracks, you you still have that idea in your head, and you think like, oh, how are we going to play this live and stuff like that? And and, um, and I think it gets distracting, and I think it takes away from the idea that like within this thing that you're calling the orchestra, there are an infinite amount of sounds that you can explore and how they react. And in uh, or interact with the band elements. There's there's so much there that is unexplored, and and we still feel like we've barely scraped the surface on what's possible there.
0: Well, it's gotta peel back that veil on the <laughs> imagination. <laughs> Beautiful. And if you want to check out the tracks "Tyranny of Imagination" and "Far from Where Dreams Unfurl," there's I believe a, a studio video for "Far from Where Dreams Unfurl," and then there is a lyric video. For the tyranny of imagination, you can check out both of those on today's show notes at www.therockandrollpodcast.ca. And I guess you know since we've spent so much time chatting about the album and many of the dynamics went into it, and the the exciting news about uh, partnership with Century Media. So again, congratulations on that. Thank you. You're quite welcome. Uh, the only other thing I think I can ask is basically uh, coming out of lockdown and having spent the first about six months of the year completely pooched. what what's the plan coming out of here this episode will air probably about like late july so Mm -hmm. is it what what other news maybe can we expect for the next couple of months from wilderun uh
1: well one thing that's being announced soon um and and is um our manager told us that it can be made public is that we will be the uh opening act on the upcoming soil work european tour at the end of next year 2021 um so that's as of right now our, our only like solid uh plan that we have that's like okay that's booked and hopefully everything's back to normal by then and we can make that tour happen. Well, we still have to figure out what we're when we're going to do the uh the tour we we're going to do back in April with A Turnum because that's that's postponed so trying to fit that into our schedule as well as um hopefully getting into the studio next year as well to record a new record hopefully it provided that we can actually finish it in time
0: <laughs> yeah well with a label barking down your neck i think you'll be able to do it this time
1: <laughs> beautiful
0: well,
1: luckily they don't seem to they don't seem too pushy but i think we we feel more confident now that we can get things done quicker because we don't have to run around in circles wondering how it's going to be released
0: yeah that's a really good point Uh, And, you know, when bands ask what my experience chatting with bands when they're on a label is like, I say, well, they seem significantly more calm and confident. And if I get asked why that is, I just say because there's no longer the stress of guesswork.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, because self-release takes I mean, you're doing if you're self-releasing, it takes all the same amount of work that the century media is doing. And your bandwidth is obviously limited, especially if you're going to try and keep releasing albums uh, in, in any sort of reasonable time frame. Um, you know, we it took four years for uh, for Veil to come out um, for, since the last record, and we don't want to take another four years again, especially where we have material in the works now. So, why why dilly dally?
0: Yeah, abs freaking All right. Well, Dan, unless there's anything else that you wanted to throw out there that I did not bring up or that you wanted to chat about, I just wanted to thank you for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. It was a good time.
0: Good questions. Thanks, mister. (laughs) You're welcome, sir. (laughs) Go ahead and stop, please, sweetie.